Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of Ridiculous Theories. Uh, this podcast is intended to prove that minimal research and suggestive logic can get you to where you would like to be. Um, the point behind this is largely to encourage individuals to audit the information they receive. Um, my objectives here will be to, through a variety of ridiculous theories, present them in a way which could be construed as correct or the truth. Um, let's just think of a few ridiculous theories through the past. Um, well, the earth is flat. That could still be contentious. Um, <laughs> however, or that, uh, let's say, for example, the earth is the center of the universe and all planets revolve around it, as the Greeks, some of them, believed. So, yes, the information here is, like I said, um, selectively researched and is also chosen for its uh, agreement with my point. Um, one has to think to propaganda or something along those lines to think that one could not agree with something unless you have a predisposition to agree with it. So that's sort of been the line of my research. Nothing's been done unintentionally. Um, but anytime there was research done, it was merely Google search to ask my question. First couple of links, see if I get the answer, go from there. Yeah, because, you know, I'm not, this is not intended to be an academic program. This is intended to be ridiculous theories, which encourage you, perhaps, to consider an academic program <laughs> for your real information. However, here we are. Uh, this first episode is going to be entitled Pedestrian's Wrongs. Uh, it is in relation to pedestrians' rights in the West. Uh, we are recording in Canada, in Alberta. Here in Alberta, the rules are that a person driving a vehicle shall yield the right of way to a pedestrian crossing the roadway within a crosswalk. Um, I do not inherently disagree with this logic. However, I inherently disagree with the way it is abused. Um, this is partly the inspiration for this podcast. Let me cite three. The first would be large groups of high school students. Um, one of my former residences, we had to turn left to exit the uh, residential area. And during the times the high school would let out, this was simply impossible because simply following the traffic signal rules was not enough. Um, however, pedestrians seem to have taken it upon themselves that they have this this right, uh, this pedestrian wrong, one could say, um, where simply streams of them will continue to cross forever. I've witnessed this as well at, uh, say, like after a football game releases or equivalent, where literally tens of thousands of people are pouring across a major intersection. Uh, understandably, no one is going to be the vehicle which accelerates and hits them. However, uh, the point is relating to common courtesy. Uh, the second example relating to common courtesy would be something with when there are no vehicles after you. So you're traveling down the road and you are the last car in a group and someone is wanting to cross. Realistically, this pedestrian should wave you past and then cross once there is no traffic. However, this does not work this way. Uh, typically, the pedestrian will push the button, stand at the crosswalk, etc., etc., and expect for the vehicle to stop and move forward. Um, this 
I equate to when driving uh, an inappropriate left turn, not something that is illegal, however, something that is inappropriate, i.e., you need to take a left turn to access a strip mall, a shopping center equivalent, uh, and you have an opportunity unobstructed to make that left turn. However, you choose not to make the left turn early or late because you want to go at exactly the intersection you need to. Often, if you plan ahead or think outside the box, you're able to turn left and perhaps hang three rights and end up at the same destination. And you can do this without having to wait for traffic, inhibit the drivers behind you, etc., etc. Um, the inappropriate left turn or the inappropriate crosswalk incident that I can describe most vividly, uh, which I believe is in fact the true inspiration to this podcast, was an instance where I was driving on a residential road returning from a shopping center to my house. Uh, the groceries were in the car, no worries, nice quiet drive, beautiful day out, no one on the road around me. Um, there is, however, a pedestrian who is walking on the sidewalk, um, just parallel to my direction of travel. And he looks back, sees me, and instantly tries to cross at the crosswalk. So, understanding that our rules and regulations and laws of traffic indicate that I must stop, I did so. I stopped, yielded right of way, to the pedestrian crossing in the crosswalk as designated. The pedestrian took offense to the fact that apparently I was driving on the road that he was crossing, and rather than simply crossing the road and hurrying up to do so, he slowed down in front of my vehicle, stopped, looked me in the eye, and then gave me the finger. I did not understand. My vehicle was stopped. I was nowhere near him. Was I supposed to keep going? Was this simply a point that the pedestrian has too many rights in our country. Um, many Western countries, I believe, are following similar types of regulations. Uh, I've traveled to other parts of the world where if you step out in traffic, you damn well get hit. And I do not think that is inappropriate. We're going to prove mathematically next why this might be the case. Now, let us begin with some formulae. Um, we're going to be using just some very, very, very simple math here. Um, we are going to be looking at kinetic energy. Uh, therefore, kinetic energy, which is equal to one-half times mass times velocity of the object squared. That is our formula. Um, we will be working through this formula for the purposes of investigating the energy required to stop a vehicle versus the energy required to stop a person. Through this exercise, I would like to prove that it is simply ineffective or illogical, rather, for the larger mass, larger speed vehicle to stop when, in whole logic, the pedestrian should already have stopped to verify it was safe to cross the road in our laws and customs. So let us start with the energy required to stop the average person. Uh, the average person, again, based on instant Google searching, um, the average person globally weighs 62 kilograms. The average person in North America weighs a whopping 81 kilograms. Uh, that is quite an impressive feat for us. Well done, everyone. Um, now, 
what we're going to take a look at is the kinetic energy required first to stop a person on the global scale. Uh, now, the global scale we're considering again to be that 62 kilogram global average, and we're going to multiply this by our, or we're going to rather insert that value into our formula, so 62 kilograms into our formula. We're also going to insert an average walking speed of 5 kilometers an hour, which works out to 1.4 meters per second. So that's required for our calculations here. So if I do that calculation and I multiply my 62 kilograms, my 1.4 meters per second, and I in, add it into my formula, so remember, energy kinetic would be equal to 1 half times 62 times 1.4 squared for a total energy of 60.76 joules. Now, that's not a whole heck of a lot. And we're going to see why that's not a whole heck of a lot, but hey, we'll get there. Um, the next one we're going to look at is the North American average. So the average kinetic energy required to, in this basic formula, stop a person from moving at their speed in North America. We're remembering that it was 81 kilograms, and we're going to assume the same 1.4 meters per second. So into our formula goes 1 half times 81 kilograms times 1.4 meters per second squared for a total kinetic energy of 79.38 joules. Now, again, this is a significant increase from the kinetic energy of the global individual, which we saw at 60.76 joules. But we're going to take a look now at some different types of values. Um, now, just to put things into perspective a little bit, there are 3,500 calories in one pound of fat. So if you're going to the gym and you want to burn that one pound of fat, 3,500 calories. Now, the total energy required here to stop a person globally or in North America is globally 14.4 calories or 18.97 calories. That's not a whole heck of a lot considering that when you go to the gym you probably want to burn a few hundred to a yeah, a few hundred calories, right? So it's not a huge value, but we're going to take a look at some of the other values in this equation. Next up, we're going to look at the energy required to stop a vehicle. Now, for our first calculation, we're going to assume a 1,000 kilogram vehicle. This is not a large vehicle. This is equivalent to, say, a Fiat 500 or a Nissan Micra, unburdened with passengers, etc. So it's, that's just the base curb weight of it. Not too heavy a vehicle. A very small, um, in some parts of the world, Europe, etc., Asia, this is more common where we are from in Alberta, everyone's got a lifted truck with giant mutters on it, and they want to look giant in their stupid truck. So <laughs> we're going to also take a look at that. Um, so first, our initial calculation using the 1,000 kilogram vehicle, and we're going to assume 50 kilometers an hour. So we're going to assume that they are traveling at a typical, uh, call it residential speed. Um, the residential or you know, side street speed where you're more commonly going to find pedestrians. Um, this works out to a whopping 13.889 meters per second. So now I can add those equations into or values into my formula. So our kinetic energy at 50 kilometers an hour, assuming a 1,000 kilogram car, i.e. a compact micro, one half times 1,000 times 13.889 meters per second squared. 
works out to a kinetic energy of 96,452 joules. Now remember, our people were at 60 and 79 joules. This is 96 and a half thousand joules. Now, let us consider the same vehicle is traveling at 80 kilometers an hour. In this instance, the vehicle would be traveling at 22.22 meters per second. Added to my formula, energy kinetic, one half times 1,000 times 22.22 is 246,864 joules. That is a lot. Let's put that into perspective now. We're next going to take a look at a large vehicle. We're going to assume a large lifted, probably giant diesel style truck. Um, something, imagine a Duramax 3500, a big heavy duty Ford, etc., that kind of thing. We're going to assume that's around the 3000 kilogram curb weight value, which is probably not too far off. Um, we're going to use that for our formula. We're going to keep the same speeds. Now remember, our small vehicle at 80 kilometers an hour was 246, eh, almost 247,000 joules. We're going to take a look now at the large truck, which, assuming into our formula, 1 half times 3,000 times 13.889 squared, we've got 289,356 joules. That is already more than the kinetic energy of the vehicle of the smaller, faster car. So we're going to keep that one as an important number. Um, now, just to demonstrate how this formula works, if we were to take that same truck, that 3,000 kilogram truck, and move it up to the 80 kilometers an hour, or 22.22 meters per second, it would have a kinetic energy of 740,592 joules. This is a lot. So we're considering all these values to be significant amounts of energy, especially when compared with the energy required to stop a person. Those values were used to demonstrate a single vehicle or a single person coming to a intersection or rather crosswalk crossing. We're going to assume, however, that this is not likely the case. Traffic tends to be busier. It's unlikely that you have the one person crossing and it's also unlikely that they should make you stop because they should have the consideration to wave you through and cross after when uninhibited and also not inhibiting anyone else. Um, regardless, we're going to assume for our next sort of thought that we have one pedestrian crossing the street and we have three trucks and four cars from our previous equation traveling on this same street to provide a eh, basic average of what would be probably seven vehicles. These vehicles will be traveling at 50 kilometers an hour. So we're going to take those those three trucks, and remember they had 289,356 joules. We're going to take those three trucks and those four cars, and remember they had 96,452 joules each required to stop the vehicles. We're going to take all of those and we're going to add all those, uh, those energies together. That is 1.253 million joules. That's a whole heck of a lot by comparison. Um, that's let, Let's just put that into perspective. That is equivalent to uh, about 1,188.4 uh, 1, BTUs, 
which doesn't mean anything to anyone because no one knows how barbecues work, um, or at least how that heat's calculated. But let's let's move that over to something that might be a little more um, a little more tangible. Uh, it's m equivalent basically to 316 kilowatts. So um, that's assuming we take that value and eh, make the car stop over about four seconds. We can figure out the kilowattage required, and it is 316 kilowatts. Now. That's about the same output as an industrial generator. A, a big, big industrial diesel generator. So let's assume that is the energy required to stop these vehicles from traveling down their intended path to allow the pedestrian to cross. Now, let us discount um, in our calculations that, that, that there's, you know, some rolling inertia and there's additional friction and stuff that we should probably be calculating into these. And also that people don't have rolling inertia, they just sort of stop, right? Like you require moving to keep moving. You don't just keep moving, right? Uh, sedentary is perhaps more preferred. Uh, that being said, we're, we're also taking, not really taking into account in our full calculations here, that each stop, waiting for a few seconds, and go in a vehicle, as would, you know, be a, a pedestrian crossing, that uses up about half a percent of the energy in one gallon of gasoline. So, we're just going to take this into account here. So we've already used up a diesel generator to stop all these vehicles, and now each of those is going to stop. So we're going to multiply. So we've used up about three and a half percent of the energy in a gallon of gasoline, in addition to all of the energy required to stop the vehicles. Now we're going to require, of course, more energy to accelerate the vehicles away, but we're not going to even get into that because that's just complicating things a little bit more. So. That's where we're at with some of our initial mass. If we wanted to think about this on a larger scale, because what we've done is one pedestrian in a one residential street, and there's seven cars on it. Now, how does that actually equate to you know the world here? There are approximately 75, 76% of Americans, North Americans, that drive to work every day. And in America, based on the stats that I was able to obtain based on Google, thank you, Google, um, that works out to about 115 million cars on the road every day. So if we wanted to think about this just a little bit longer, we can take our 115 million cars a day and we can divide it by our previous equation where we had seven vehicles. So we're going to divide that number by seven, which gives us a whole... Oh my goodness, um, 600, 16,428,571.428. Now we're going to multiply that by, just for the sake of argument, our previous 316 kilowatts that was the same output as the industrial diesel generator. So if we had to stop all of the cars in North America one time during their commute, one time while they were traveling at 50 kilometers an hour, one time that would equate to 5.2 billion kilowatts, which is approximately the same amount of energy that is capable of being produced by the Three Gorges Dam. One could say that was a substantial project and then it significantly affected watersheds and the landscape and topography and, well, the hab habitation patterns of China. 
that's a pretty big thing. <laughs> Let's just throw that out there. That that's pretty insane. Um, so that's considering that that there are those 115 million cars out there, and less than 3% walk to work. So I understand that there's probably not a heck of a lot of instances where this is going to occur, but I seem to face pedestrians regularly. So by the math, you shouldn't actually run into them that often, but you seem to. Perhaps it is simply a sensitivity to the inappropriate left turn, quote unquote, pedestrians, the, um, the inappropriate crosswalk users, but eh, I don't think so. I think that this is just silliness. We claim, we claim to be a energy conservationist society. This does not seem to really follow if we are wasting all of this energy, this three gorges dam worth of energy, every time all those vehicles have to stop. Now, I understand that we don't all have to stop all the time. But again, we're looking at this on potentially a global versus North American scale. So globally, people don't have to stop as often, as often, and albeit that concession can be made that that may be changing. However, globally, these people seem to, at 62 kilograms, be in better physical condition than the average North American of 81 kilograms. Now, I understand that not all of these individuals are obese. However, we can't put it past them. Um, and that, that is, well, well known as another uh, thing that I'm simply not going to research because that's one of those well-known things. Ha ha ha. There we go. Now, moving on. Um, if we're to consider that that global average of 60 kilograms is in fact yeah, about 20 kilograms lower than the North American average, that works out to approximately 44 pounds. Now remember, earlier we mentioned that there were 3,500 calories in one pound of fat. Now if we consider that that is 44, if, if we consider that 44 pounds from the global average, and remembering 3,500 calories in one pound of fat, we're looking at an average calorie difference that we're trying to potentially remove if, of approximately 154,000 calories. Okay? So, that works out to, if we wanted to consider again, that our person took approximately, on the North American scale, 79.38 joules to come to a stop based on their velocity, we would work that out to 0.0225 watt hours or 18.97 calories. So if it works out that each time an individual in North America stops, and this is of course a greater number than in Europe and, well, not necessarily Europe, sorry, but globally, um, in that Yes, people are of smaller stature, but they also have significantly less, shall we say, inertia. Uh, so we, we take this inertia, um, and we're trying to slow it down, and each time we stop it, it takes 18.97 calories. Now remember, we have a difference of approximately 154,000 calories from the global average in North America, chiefly where we have these pedestrian rules. That works out to, if we were going to try and, you know, just divide that into the number of people stops, it would take each person in North America 8,118 stops to get back to normal. So, 
we're, we're going to take that 8,118 people stops that in theory it would take to burn our 154,000 excess calories. And we're going to, we're going to take a look at that from a different lens, right? So that is a somewhat manageable number. I feel like I could in my lifetime stop 8,000 times. I feel like I could do that. I feel like I could stop, allow the cars that are going at their sometimes rather excessive pace and sometimes somewhat distracted operation. I believe I could stop for them 8,000 times. Now, let us consider that that is the way that the people would burn the energy that's required, right? So that's how the people are going to burn the energy. Now, if we take a look at this from this other lens, and we have all these... Uh, all these vehicles stopping. And remember, that was the, the aforementioned 5.2 billion kilowatt hours, um, or, or rather, sorry, kilowatts, um, which is, yeah, approximately the same as, you know, 5.6 million, uh, is that billion of five? Oh my goodness, it's 5.6 billion watt hours. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I apologize. Um, if we take our, our previous calculation where we had our our, um, our our total number of cars, that 115 million, remember this is just in North America, um, who are producing that 307 or, you know, uh, 316 in groups of seven kilowatts for their stopping. Remember, we had that 5.2 billion kilowatts that were produced. Now, if I do the calculation and turn that into kilowatt hours, or rather to watt hours, I have 5,667,856,995 watt hours. Again, we're going to do just that little bit of math and remember that our previous individual, that 79.38 um, joule individual from North America, that was equivalent to 0.02205 watt hours. So if we were going to try and get the equivalent energy to be conserved, remember, we're, we're an energy conscious society. We need to be conscious of how we're doing, what we're doing with our energy. Um, we will take that, that 5.6 billion watt hours and divide it by our 0.02205 watt hours required to stop a person. And to, you know, the same amount of energy, it would require, get this, 257,045,668,707 people stopping. That's bloody insane. Um, yes. So I... I I hope that puts things into perspective slightly. Um, remember, our, our one individual, you know, our, our 81 kilogram individual, uh, would require that 80 joules to stop. Um, the, the driver of the vehicle would require a minimum, a minimum of a thousand times that much. A minimum of a thousand times that much. So if we're considering ourselves to be energy conscious, you know what I really should do? I really should present the conclusions in a British accent because, and perhaps this will be a different ridiculous theory, British accents make things sound much, much more intelligent.
So, yes, let us continue with a British accent to conclude. Um, so, we will we will consider that there are, of course, some concessions that could be made. Um, there are instances where there are inclement weather, uh, where it may be maybe prudent or perhaps human to stop for the individual. Um, it's also to be considered that, that most drivers are pretty bad. Um, most drivers suck pretty bad. Um, and and about 13% of the pedestrians still cross the street distracted. So what we are suggesting here is that, well, really, we should remove pedestrians' rights as they relate to crossing the street when traffic is still flowing. I do not disagree that pedestrians should be able to cross at lights yeah, with traffic, uh, but I do disagree that they should be able to cross willy-nilly wherever they damn well please at any crosswalk at any time in front of any vehicle, and the vehicle should have to stop. Now, let us remember that all of those vehicles stopping, we had those 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 5.2 billion kilowatt hours that were produced by all of those vehicles stopping, and remember, that was just the North American vehicles, perhaps representative based on traffic regulation. Regardless, if we consider that energy is converted in a vehicle's braking system from kinetic to thermal, it is quite possible that all of those vehicles stopping for pedestrians is in fact the cause of global warming. Oh, again, we will emphasize that the world, the West specifically, uh, claims to be energy conscious. It's part of our, you know, part of our uh, Instagram personality, etc., that we are so green and we are so conscious. Yet, if we took all of that energy that is required to stop for pedestrians who are often too uh, oblivious to, to cross the street quickly or get out of your way or do it at an appropriate time, um, that same energy would be, again, the same energy required would be 257 trillion people stopping. That is 34 times the population of the Earth, assuming a 7.5 billion population Earth. I, I can only see this as a huge waste. Um, remember, we must find out where all that energy is going. It cannot be created nor destroyed, so it is converted, and it is converted into heat. One could suggest, and I do suggest, that we should no longer stop for pedestrians, as this is causing global warming. Now, remember, inclement weather, that is one of our concessions. Canada can become very cold, very icy, um, in addition to insisting that the pedestrians take additional care, it could be suggested that this is an appropriate time to stop your vehicle. Uh, again, we are producing heat. We are trying to combat the cold in Canada much of the year. We should stop for our people if it is snowing. That is the only excuse. Cheerio, then.